Um, you know, actually, I was thinking the other day, I don't listen to that many podcasts. I listen to Case Files, Joe Rogan, and then... I hope you don't listen to our one, that'd be really weird. Sometimes I listen to our one. Yeah. But if I'm looking for a clip, and then I leave it playing in the background, because I'm like, oh, that's kind of... Uh, that's these aren't retards it's kind of strangely narcissistic and then after 50 minutes you kind of realise you're listening to yourself and you're like oh I'm going to turn this off yeah uh, sometimes I listen to Jocko but Jocko's like once every three months Jocko Willick Willink um, <sighs> you got to be in the mindset for Jocko like he's just too <clears throat> he's just too hardcore you have to be in a, a good place already yeah um, uh, most of the time it's just I like listening to uh, veterans from either Vietnam or he reads through, like he read, he didn't read through, but it was kind of a, a synopsis of the uh, book called The um, the Clay Pigeons of St. Lowe. Right. And it was about, uh, after D-Day, there was a town called St. Lowe and these these American, uh, whatever, troops. G.I. Joes. Troops took the town or whatever. Very interesting book. It was okay. just some fella um, wrote it post-World War Two or whatever in it. Yeah. Uh, the book's quite good. I think you'd like it. Right, it's um, but other than that, like people asking for advice, but none of it's related to like leadership. They're like, I'm really sad and I broke up with my girlfriend, but then he just gives them really solid American advice, and it's like, well, it's better no advice, really. Get your shit in order, basically. Uh, Get up at four a.m., take a picture of your watch, go back to sleep like a normal person. His book isn't bad. His leadership book, <clears throat> I think I read two of them actually. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it's great. I just read it for war stories, basically. <laughs> so here we are. So um, welcome back to the Seek of Strength podcast, episode 35 or 36. I think this will be 36 when you upload 2019 year in review strength training kind of strength yeah. events. Advent. Am I still low to you? No, you sound pretty good. Send it. Thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking send it, bro. Fucking send it, bro. So this episode... Is one that's been... Wait, start again. Welcome. Where do we have noise coming from? Hang on, is my beer tickling the thing? Yeah. It feels so good though. Oh, here we go. I was just a little bit off-centre. Oh yeah, that does make a big difference. This was like 5.12 and I'm only 5.10, so I just had to pull it down a small bit. (laughs) You wouldn't be 5.10 in a month of Sundays. For anyone listening, my height is only in two numbers. There's not three digits. That's much better. Yeah, Jesus. so much better. I was nearly six one there, but I'm only five eleven. It's two gi- digits when you use centimeters, is it? <laughs> so, yeah, like point zero, like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so this episode is one that's been brewing, brewing. As few people ask for it, and I'm sure some of our, if you look at the demographics of our listeners, it's one that will be very interesting and it will hit close to home. And it's basically what we've turned termed. Is that a term you made up, or is that a is that in the literature? I hadn't heard it before, but there's no reason. No, no, no. It. you've made it up. That's all we need to hear. <laughs> uh, basically, late onset adult adult onset athleticism. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Athleticism is in inverted commas here. Yeah, let's uh, just be real about this. Yeah, Dara said that this is going to be a hopeful message, but I'm here to cut your dreams down. <laughs> You're too late. Nah, I'm only no. joking. Uh, yeah, so it's it's something we see a lot. Massive, more so than ever in human history, probably. Yeah, and it's something I like. We've dealt with now for years and years in our own kind of coaching experience, yep. and just to kind of give a, a definition to this term we've made up or pulled out of our hole. Uh, adult onset athleticism is basically 
not doing any sports or not really training for a sport because I think a lot of people will have played sport in some way but they mightn't have had structured training uh, or definitely not structured strength and conditioning training and then when they're in their late 20s, early 30s Early 30s would be probably, I'd say Yeah, probably a bit more applicable uh, picking up a sport like CrossFit a sport like weightlifting or a sport like powerlifting uh, and then these are there's kind of certain boundaries or certain challenges associated with that uh, that you don't get when you're a youth athlete trying to pick up those skills or start those sports. So, to begin with, it's right. um, so it's a good thing overall. It's a fantastic thing. It's, it's an uh, unbelievable it, thing. And look, before we get into it, you might not be great, but your kids might watch you and they might be great. And yeah. sure look. And sure look, that's all you want. That's all I want. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a it's a very very positive move in terms of yeah. health, in terms of mental health and well being, uh, like general happiness. A lot of the time, people who start training when they're a bit older, yeah, they have like a level of seriousness or a level of commitment towards it that like they have to take time out of a, a schedule that's already very very busy and actually make the decision to go to the weightlifting class or make the decision to go to CrossFit two or three times a week. Uh, and that's like a big advantage that you don't tend to have in youth sports. A lot of the time with youth sports, those guys or girls are there because, or they started off in the first place because their parents brought them yeah. or their friends are going, so they go. Uh, so that is like a big advantage you have with like adult starters or late starters, uh, that their level of commitment tends to be a little bit higher. And that's where the advantages end. <laughs> So, um, like, we may as well get into the meat and potatoes of it, right? Yeah, so... The biggest boundary that I've found by far... Yeah. Well, there's there's two kind of primary ones. The biggest one by far for me uh, and the people I've coached has been recovery or an ability to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that from being later in life or is it more than likely from probably poor nutrition habits and lack of any kind of physical capacity to recover from any kind of training because they haven't been training? So I, I think there's a few things. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they don't have a basis in training, right? And I think as well, as what we're talking about here as well, not to cut across there, but in elite sports, like mid-30s is old as absolute fuck. Like you're an oh, yeah, absolute you're... pensioner in any kind of strength and power sports. Yeah, any kind of um, athletic feat is if you're 35 is astronomical basically like the the in people's minds in elite sports once you hit 30 and there this is a leftover not from it's not a, a physiological thing it's just a kind of a psychological thing because a lot of time previously athletes would be recovery you know strength conditioning work uh, understanding of how kind of training works would have been hard in the fast for a lot of the, a lot of sports we're thinking yeah. about, and so by the time people hit thirty five or thirty one or two, they were generally just bait. By the time they got there, is the only way to put yeah. that. Yeah. So like, there's that's where we kind of have those baselines of yeah, uh, like males will peak like twenty six, twenty eight, mm-hmm. depending on like what strength sport it is. Uh, but if you look at just the basics of recovery and their ability to recover, so if you've got uh, two people coming in for their first ever CrossFit class, yeah, uh, one of them is 32 and the other one is 18. Yeah. Uh, just their general, like, resting hormonal state mm-hmm. is 
one is basically fighting to maintain homeostasis the whole time. The 16 or the 18 year old is in a very, very, very good position for growth. Uh, Most likely full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. And like when we say piss and vinegar, it's like a combination of five or six different hormones, but their testosterone levels will be a lot higher. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like their growth hormone levels, their IGF-1 would be a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, Even like their, any of their kind of thyroid hormone cascades would be hyperactive yeah and like they might be overactive compared to what it might be in even two years time for them like things are just ready to go for them yeah uh so that is like that's a big factor with recovery right you can say it but you can say the but there i can see see it in your lips but there's also other factors with the recovery that aren't the same as when you're 16 or 18 yeah so if you've got an athlete who's still in school or still in college their commitment to other things is a hell of a lot lower Mm mm-hmm so they don't have to collect kids from school. They don't have to work late on Wednesdays. They don't have to see their parents however many times a week. Uh, Most of the time, yeah, they go to school or college, do homework, go drinking yeah. and sleep. And they also haven't, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want to give people excuse, they haven't set their life up in such a way that this is just part of what they do. Yeah. You know, not yet, anyway. Like, I'm talking about the older people now, yeah. the, the people we're talking about in this subject, is like they haven't, they haven't made the time to do that enough. No, like I, they haven't, their life isn't, it's not incorporated into their life yet, whereby it's just a thing that they have to do. It's like going and seeing their parents or collecting the kids, like this has to be done during the day. Yeah, and I think that's where the popularity of the very early morning classes for CrossFit became very, very, like, mm-hmm. they're some of the busiest classes in most gyms. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because... They're some of the most consistent too, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and my, what it is, is you get somebody who wants to train, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, handing over two hours. So basically, by the time you get to the gym, you do an hour-long class, and you get home from the gym, it's two hours at minimum. Yeah. Uh, so I think the ability to hand over that two hours in the evening is a hell of a lot harder to get yeah. than it is in the morning. Yeah. Whereas if you're in the morning and you go to a 6 a.m. class, you get up at 20 past 5, yeah. uh, you drive to the gym, you probably don't eat beforehand, you do your class, you eat, and then you're back at your house or you're back on the way to work yeah. before you would have normally woken up. Uh, you have to sacrifice some other things, like you might have to go to bed a bit earlier, you might have to prep food the night before instead of that morning. Mm-hmm. But all those things are positive things anyway. Roll out of bed at half ten, like, think about going to the lecture. Yeah. Don't bother going. This is for the young fellas. Yeah. No, but I, I definitely think, like, that's where you see the big, big advantage of yeah. early morning uh, or pre-work routines for adult starters. Uh, another thing as well that part of that time commitment is also kind of the mental ammunition younger people will have is just to commit to training yeah and to kind of obsess over it so that's not to say that on adults is there any acronym we can give them oas 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 have is that while they may be just as committed and they may be just as obsessed their time to think about the sports is just going to be less by the fact that they have more than likely a lot more things going on yeah. So it's not from they're not as committed or they're not as um, dead set on getting better. It's just that more mental obstacles are presenting themselves and stuff that they have to think about. Yeah, and I think that's 
we spoke about recovery earlier and like obviously like the hormonal you have things that are advantageous to recovery in terms of hormones but then you have things that are very inhibitory towards uh like recovery in terms of your hormones so if you have heightened stress levels yeah you've heightened level of cortisol all those things happening like kids and teenagers don't have high stress levels right yeah. they might be stressed out about something at school or something but in terms of when we look at their hormonal cascades or or their hormonal peaks around uh times of high stress they're not high compared to what a, an adult will be experiencing so like we always talk about stress being accumulative and it's just all one silo stress from work is the same as physical stress from training and it, it all compounds uh into these like inhibitory hormone cascades so when you see that that's another way hormonally that younger athletes will have the advantage. As my mic stand starts to fall over. Um, as well, you know, in some ways, that can be a little bit of a disadvantage. Now, overall, obviously, the younger athlete will be at more of an advantage with everything else. But what you're describing there, or what we just talked about, is that the older the UAS can just UAS. the UAS can just get in, get their session done, and if they have a good coach, if they've been lucky enough to get to a good gym, like a lot of this would have been CrossFit athletes, but as we especially in Ireland like this, the kind of gym culture is taken off massively. So it's not just CrossFit athletes anymore, but they may be powerlifters or they might be just going to the gym or they might have found um weightlifting, strongman adult gymnastics classes. Yeah. They they're kind of in a position where a lot of times, and we know this for personally ourselves, or from other younger athletes, is that you, when like when uh, when you're in college, you just kind of are surrounded the gym for longer because yeah. you're not really under any pressure to go anywhere or get anything done. So a lot of times you can end up not probably not doing too much, but kind of just not as giving not giving each aspect of your training the kind of mental intensity at times that it needs. Whereas when you are time limited very likely you're not going to go in and lie in the foam roller for half an hour before you train and look at your phone. You'll probably get in, get what you need to get done if you have a good, like say you're lucky enough to have a good coach or lucky enough to be in a good environment where you can, you've got a good direction and someone's taught you that this is how it needs to be and this is the most important part of training and these are the things you need to get done. Sometimes they're an advantage because you see some of the older the UAS come to the gym and they've got military precision yeah they're in and out you don't even notice them come in you don't need yeah, them leaving yeah. they get their stuff done and a lot of times they do get better so yeah and like you can see that wholesale yeah when you look at a few of the weightlifters we have yeah yeah because uh, you'll see like you might have like talented youth lifters yeah and they're like you're talking to them at the end of the week or after a few weeks and it's yeah. like uh, oh how long are your sessions taking and they're like oh day one and day four like usually like three hours yeah yeah and you're like wait a minute yeah wait a minute like (laughs) we have weightlifters who are doing so much lighter weights in inverted commas like their uh, relative weight is so much lighter yeah uh they're doing way more volume Mm-hmm. And they were at a gym an hour before you were. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing for what? the extra hour? Exactly. Like, a lot of that is just floof, like, just absolute yeah, yeah. floof. Uh, sitting on your phone. Yeah. Like, do, not really doing anything. So, this podcast isn't going to be just us naming off all the disadvantages of starting 
training later, uh, which do you, which also, it could be. Do yourself a favor and don't read any literature about training when you're older. <laughs> if you can find any, don't read any Soviet literature. Don't read any papers from the fifties or sixties if you manage to find them, because. Basically, if you read those, you'll probably be dead by the time you're 16. <laughs> so don't go looking for those. Uh, they will just massively dishearten you. So don't, yeah. don't look at them. So okay. I think I do think the um, the kind of views on what athletes can do as they're older now is... is oh, it's changing. Because weightlifting would be an extreme example of of what sport does to yeah. your body. So a lot of times, like when I started weightlifting, as soon as a lifter hit 30... That was like, holy shit, he's done for. Like, there's no yeah, way. Yeah. Like, say a lifter could be two years out from an Olympics and they were just on 30 and he'd be like, there is no way he's making this Olympics. He's going to just, he's just not going to be able to. Yeah. But, and I think this is very, 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 very much due to uh, the rise in social media for some of the lifters we've seen. Uh, because it, I think really, realistically is what it turned out to be was not, that it was a physiological degradation in their, um, their stasis no, was more no, of a no. psychological geez I've been lifting for 22 years for now ages fuck this yeah but now they're like like we see like Luz Arjun is on Instagram or well his team is or whatever Andrew Ramno the Belarusian Ily Ilan Ilya well I suppose Ilya's motivation that was much different than our Andre Andre came back from a break like he'd been he'd done all like he literally had junior world records Olympic world records world records Olympic medals junior world, world medals Senior world medals, European medals, European junior medals, European youth medals. He had everything, you know? Yeah. So for him, when he took a break, he, I think he kind of made a few comebacks and he just did shit, basically. Like, he just didn't do great. But then he started, like, a YouTube channel. He started his Instagram. And you can see, like... Like a freshness coming back into it. Yeah, like, and he was consistent with the, with posting on his, uh, he was posting a lot of his training there when he started, like, last year. He's posting a lot on Instagram. You can see he was doing some seminars in around Russia and, and Belarus. And you can see like that. Like he, I think he's 29 now. Or maybe he's 30, but he's like, he's making some psychologically, like you can see he's like, there's yeah, a freshness. Yeah. And like he said, a world record snatch. So he's the only non-super to snatch 200 kilos in the last 20 odd years. Yeah, so he did mental. that. He did that when he was like 19 or something. Yeah. And so to get two kilos off that in competition is... Yeah, it's crazy. Clearly his, his body didn't just go, nah. Yeah. Do you know? So like you say, Ilya, his motivation now is, well, he's not coming back for a world record, although he says he is, but we know that's not going to happen. He has a point to prove. Yeah. And I think, so we were talking about this the other day, like if you go by his performance at the Qatar Cup, physi- physi- like physically... He doesn't look slower. I think he, I personally, I think his brain is just not in it or he's not able to, or he hasn't figured it out in his head yet. Yeah. Like in uh, terms of Ilya, there's so many other things going on. Yeah. But I, I think, the, I, I think the biggest one is in his head. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing holding him back because clearly he's a very talented athlete. Yeah. 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 He's still very flexible. You can see in his training lifts that he's fast. Like he's still, yeah. I think it's his head that kills him. But how would, if only... That's just your opinion, bro. That's just my opinion. But uh, like, also his training looks... Uh, anyway, yeah. none of that is in any way applicable to most people listening. Well, I think it like I think it's easy to fall into the trap if you listen to elite sport that like a lot of our listeners might be who are who has, or over yeah. 30 or over 40 and you're like, well, 
like I was telling about the paper that said you can't improve jumping if you're an athlete after 21, <laughs> which is... It's just blatantly not true. How could you possibly know that? Like, Yeah. So... There, the first, I think there's a bright future for them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I like everything is improving. Yeah. And like sports science getting better. Yeah. Medical science getting better. Yeah. Uh, the standard of your normal run-of-the-mill personal trainer who's in every gym in every town in the country is getting so much better exactly uh if everything working in your favor so the first thing i think we should start talking about now we've kind of ran through some of the background of like why yeah starting sports a bit later is more difficult i think the first thing we should start doing now is like realistic goal setting so we've come across this loads of times where we'll get an email and it'll be like oh i've done crossfit for two years i've done weightlifting now for eight months uh I'm snatching 73 kilos, clean and jerky 105, and I want to snatch 100 kilos, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've we gotten probably 20 of those emails. Yeah, oh, easily. Uh, easily. easily. Uh, very similar numbers to that. So the big difference between if we get an 18-year-old saying that or a 16-year-old saying that and a 32 or a 33-year-old saying that is just the time it will take and the the amount of time it'll take in between where they are now and hitting that goal. Because there's no reason to say they can't snatch 100 kilos, but the 18-year-old will probably do it in seven or eight months. Less if Less if, if they're, they're really talented. talented. They could do it in two months. Uh, whereas the 32-year-old might take two, two and a half, three years to get there. And that's, I think that's like the big, big positive to take from today is that yeah. like, none of your goals if they're any way reasonable are yeah. completely unattainable just because you didn't start this sport way earlier mm-hmm. like how many times have we heard people at competitions being like jesus i wish i'd found crossfit or i wish i'd found powerlifting or weightlifting or insert your sport here yeah i wish i'd found this when i was 15 you know like the goal setting structure doesn't change the way you get there doesn't really change uh, but the time it takes for you to get there changes a lot one thing I have found from older athletes is that you need to spend much, 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 much longer in a base phase or a prep phase. Yeah. Especially for weightlifting. The the lines between a prep phase and powerlifting and a comp- like in a, in a realization phase or prep phase or a peak phase or whatever you want to call it or a finishing phase, the lines are a little bit blurrier, but for weightlifting... I would say you need to spend you could spend up until up to up to two months of the year in a prep phase. Yeah. And you will reap a lot of awards from that. So like spending just spending two months trying to get a conditioned back squat to something and doing some deadlifts and a lot of like body weight movements and yeah. a lot of like goblet squats and just anything we talk about it. And I was saying if uh, we started posting on TikTok recently and we're just putting up basically every assistance exercise we have in our programs. And you can get a lot of ideas so you don't have to be in a program to use them. You can just go and look at them and be like, that's a good idea. I have weak legs or I have weak quads. And spending a long time, like you could very feasibly spend, the if you have the patience and the, the forethought spend, like you generally could spend up to eight weeks in a prep phase. Whereas if you... Let's I, say, think, I think you could spend eight weeks yeah. for every eight months yeah. in a prep phase. That's like, very... You know, whereas de- like, like you could definitely spend 25% of your time. If you're... So if you're a... 
weightlifter looking to go into competition, yeah, you could easily be spending that amount of time. And I think it's the same then for a CrossFitter. You could easily spend 25% of your time in a dedicated strength phase yeah. uh, if you're looking to be competitive in Masters, CrossFit or whatever it is. Like aerob- aerobic capacity and like mitochondrial density and all that stuff doesn't, it's probably not, like as we see a load of like middle-aged long distance runners get very good at running. Yeah. Whereas like... Especially in females. Yeah, like elasticity of muscles and like um, like power production stuff is a little bit is a lot different than that would be in our UAS. So yeah, like you can you can take the eight weeks pre competition and get into a really intense like aerobic phase and do very well. Yeah. Whereas with your strength to power phase, you need to be you need to be a lot more thoughtful. See, the thing is, if you have like um, a sixteen year old, you could literally spend two weeks in a prep phase, then do two weeks of a peaking phase and then do another two weeks of a prep phase and two weeks of peaking phase like the the cycles are much shorter yeah and then as he as that at least gets older more experience the obviously they change an awful lot but just just to realize that you can't probably do a two or three week prep phase and get any benefit if you're a new uh. yeah and i think like we talk about the the time between goal setting and goal realization being a hell of a lot longer if you're coming into the sport a little later uh, it's very much that is what's happening with the the strength work. Yeah, Joe, like you can't. It takes you a lot longer to realize adaptation at like a muscular cell level than it will when you're a lot younger. Yeah. Uh, I think one big advantage that people don't tend to realize they have is that they could be after playing a different sport. So say we get like a. Uh, a 35 year old female or 40 year old female into the gym yeah. they haven't trained in uh 27 years like you know they haven't literally haven't trained since their early teens yeah uh, but they might have played a lot of field hockey mm-hmm. they might have swam a lot yeah they might have done something uh say with a very very high aerobic uh aerobic base in it yeah uh and you'll see those people regaining aerobic fitness a hell of a lot faster so i think a lot of people think, oh, I haven't trained in 10 years. I haven't trained in 15 years. All that's going to go away. It's the, like you, you obviously don't maintain that. But what you do maintain is the gene transcription in yeah. those cells. So yeah. your cells have learned to become fitter or learned to become stronger or learned to become faster or learned to be very highly aerobically efficient. That learning doesn't go away so if you've like a strand of dna that unravels you transcribe that gene so say we're going to make this very very simple if i'm a runner when i'm a kid i will take the aerobic gene in inverted commas or the high lung capacity gene in inverted commas and then i'll try transcribe that gene thousands and thousands of times so then when i'm looking at my dna when i'm older that dna hasn't changed i haven't lost those transcriptions but I haven't been expressing them for years. So I mightn't have ran in 20 years. So I obviously don't have that fitness currently. But when I go to regain that fitness, I have that those extra transcriptions of an aerobic capacity gene in inverted commas already made. So I'll regain aerobic fitness a hell of a lot faster. Yeah, like muscle memory is a very, very real thing. Yeah. And then it depends to depends on the degree of your athleticism, your natural talent, yeah. how much you enjoyed the sports. How good at the sport you got? How long you did the sports? How long it's been since you did the sports? But like, it, I also think people will tend to say like, "Oh, I've never done gym work, 
so uh i'm very very weak you know yeah uh yeah you can get somebody into the gym who's been pouring concrete for 20 years Mm -hmm. and they're stronger than every other person who's in the building currently yeah and it's just the thing of realizing that strength in this kind of different arena and strength is something like just pure strength like maximal strength is something that that um that can develop much like later into life and like in their UAS and their forties and stuff. I think yeah. it was everything that these world records. And they were fairly legit world records as well, weren't they? Yeah. Like they were raw, whatever, not equipped. Yeah. Raps, and he did them in his forty-five, I think. And I think he started training like two or three years before. I think for, not like not started training, but started training for that. Yeah. So he did his biggest numbers of his whole life, and he was training for like probably since he was like a teenager. Yeah. So like the said, he's and he was training intelligently for a long time with gear. Yeah. So if you're, say, for example, you're a powerlifter or something, listening to this, or you just you do do CrossFit, but you really really enjoy the strength training aspect, like you can, a lot of times, you can like say for example, having trained in the CrossFit for years now, you can really see it in, in men especially. A lot of the times they're like, oh, jeez, I don't know what I built for that. It's a bit too heavy. And you wouldn't think, like, yeah. so it happens, obviously, to women too. But you would take for granted that you think the men would be the first to uh, be jump up in weight. But a lot of times you can see them kind of tipping around the same weights. Uh, say I'm thinking now in my head of back squats. Yeah. A lot of times they're just kind of doing the same weights all the time. Yeah. And there's, so this kind of brings us on very nicely to the next point. Which is? And the next point is. Yes. Injury and severity of injury and the amount of time it takes to recover from injury as we start to get a bit older. Yeah. Uh, And I think you see that all the time. And as coaches, like as coaches and as people who've coached teams and coach groups, you will see people as they kind of get further away from their youth. Yeah. So like maybe 35, 40, 45, 50. Yeah. Uh, They've been hurt a number of times, so they might have had a bad back a few times. They might have hurt their knee a few times. That's actually, I think that's probably just, you were going to this, probably worse than any ability to not recover from injury now is that they've so many injuries previously from other sports. And from while they were doing those sports, they didn't have, like you're saying, no gym work. Yeah. So those injuries that never really fixed themselves start cropping up again. They're, They're probably worse than any injury they'll sustain in their new career. Definitely, yeah. And I think... A lot of the time you'll get someone who's lived with an injury or lived with kind of a discrepancy for a certain amount of time. So uh, how many times do you see it that you'll have somebody who has an injured lower back? Yeah. Uh, or sorry, their their lower back flares up mm-hmm. once every six or eight months. Yeah. Uh, and then they're not really confident doing deadlifts. So they mightn't come to the deadlift classes every week, you know. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like, we, we talk about this all the time. That's not going to fix anything. You should be coming to the deadlift class. You should be finding a way to deadlift without any lower back pain. Yeah. And strengthening that lower back. But that is... And your coach should be helping you. If yeah, you definitely. And it shouldn't just be like, oh, just don't do back squats or don't do yeah. overhead press. So when you're coming in with previous injuries, it does kind of give you... And like, it's not just a mental block, right? Because mm-hmm. we like, a lot of the time we'll say it or you'll hear people say it that like... Oh, people have a mental block of going over a certain weight because yeah. they think it's going to hurt them or yeah. they're not sure they'll be able to catch it or whatever. It's obviously more than a mental block because they've had an injury similar to that in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they like everybody knows how bad it is to be injured. Nobody wants to get injured again. Uh, but that's 
a really, really important thing to kind of keep note of for yourself because everybody thinks they're unique, right? Everybody thinks they're an exception to the rule. So you might be like, oh, uh, I don't do this piece of accessory work because it makes my knee sore and I've had a knee injury before. Yeah. You need to be saying, this is a way I'm going to be able to do this accessory work. This is a way I'm going to be able to have notable and trackable progression doing this accessory work in order to make my knee better. Keeping something in the dark and like what we call the mushroom treatment is keeping it in the dark and feeding it shit. The mushroom treatment doesn't work for injuries. Yet it seems to be how a lot of athletes will deal with an injury. And you can, you know, unfortunately for our UAS in this case, our younger athletes can get away with this for a long time. Yeah. And still progress because they're just a little bit more, they're made of rubber bands and piss and vinegar. So they can kind of just, it, like a lot of times they can ignore an injury. Yeah. And they'll go away for a while and more than likely it will crop up again in the future. But as an UA you kind of are left with issues that won't go away by themselves. Yeah. While they may not get worse, we do, like, you do see them just staying there until you really just decide one day to address it. Now, the problem is addressing injuries are, a lot of times injuries are so unique to the person that finding the right way is, is unique to you, which is kind of unfortunate because a lot of other training isn't like that. No. A lot of times training, what works for most people will work for you because it's it's just strength training at the end of the day. Yeah. Whereas injuries can be so many different things and be caused by so many different, the same injury can have multiple different causes. It can be a little bit disheartening. And that's probably the hardest part, I think, of a whole, the UAS whole career can be trying to address an injury that they had before or they've gotten recently and trying to get rid of it because it can be a lot harder to fix it. Yeah, so what I think, like, the biggest issue with, you know, you're saying, like, individuals having to kind of figure out how to fix their injuries. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue is if you have an injury, we always feel like we're taking one step back to take two steps forward. Yeah. And nobody's willing to take a step back. Yeah. Like, so you might have, like, everybody knows if their knees get very, very sore, they probably have to loosen out their quads. They might have to do some VMO work. Uh, They might have to do some work on the mechanics of their squat. But nobody wants to do that because it means an hour of the week at the very, very minimum that they're not going to be able to put into CrossFit or they're not going to be able to put into lifting uh, or whatever sport they're playing. The taking one step back to take two steps forward does take a bit of like, okay, I'm putting this on the back burner now to make myself better for later. It is very, very difficult to do, but it's probably the most important thing on this point is that you're going to have to take maybe a program that you should be running four days a week, run it three days a week instead, and then have kind of still train your four days, but divide up the volume over the course of, or sorry, still do four sessions per week. You'll take your three program sessions and divide the volume between the four. And then you're like giving at least 30% of each session to make that injury better. By far, that's the best way I've seen of kind of programming for people who are injured uh, programming for people who are recovering from injuries uh, or programming for people who have a lot of pre-existing issues I think um, speaking of injuries and UAS probably a massive massive demographic and I'm sure there's at least 
10 or 20 percent of people listening to this is the old um the rise in the old bjj we can, I, don't, I think it'd be unfair because a lot of times we don't see people going being like 38 and you know I really, I just 60 meter sprints are something I love yeah you know or they don't you don't see you never going. see someone starting kickboxing in their 30s or pole vaults no. or long jumps or just really and I'm not sure they're just as dynamic and as power like jujitsu is just as dynamic and like fucking explosive as yeah if not more injury prone than those sports but it, it's something recently that's just massively grown it's one of the people especially older people older who as again when I say older I don't mean yeah we're not saying old people we're just saying you're not a youth athlete yeah an adult athlete are doing BJJ along with their CrossFit along with their weightlifting yeah. along with their powerlifting like it's massive like I'd say I'd love to see if someone had an accurate percentage rise I'd say in the last five six years is just astro- thousands of percentage points astronomical yeah. I'd imagine and the problem with BJJ is that it's um Jesus, it's it's going to wreck you, like, in some ways, if yeah. you're training it a lot. And people really get into it. And uh, So that's the thing, right? People get really, really into it, and they're rolling yeah. one, two, three times a week, and they want to still do their other stuff. And Like, it's like it's, I think we yeah. can both agree now that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and weightlifting do not mix. No. We're talking about Olympic weightlifting, we snatches and clean and jerks. Coach people who've tried to do it. Yeah, they don't mix at all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, actually... So like like we always say, weightlifting will help every other sport, but absolutely no sport will help weightlifting. No, it's unfortunate. So you unless there's like a sleeping Olympics, <laughs> like weightlifting can make you better at every other sport you do if you give it the time. Yeah, but nothing, absolutely nothing, will make you better at weightlifting. Everything else will just make way your weightlifting way worse. Yeah, unfortunately, but again, that depends on your goals too of what you want to do with weightlifting. Yeah, and it depends on your goals and what you want to do with jujitsu too. So I think yeah. if you take it as uh, street fighting <laughs> so if I'm in my 40s right yeah. uh, I just turned 40 yeah. uh, I've done CrossFit for 5 years and now I started doing Jiu Jitsu as well Yeah. Uh, why did you start doing Jiu Jitsu Dara? Uh, because I love the feeling of choking people or getting chokes are we still talking either about either way I like BJJ? it <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right if I take that it's there's 2 or 3 different ways right Yeah. the worst way is I'm going to be Balls out. No, no, I'm still gonna do, still gonna do those four competitions this year in CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna fucking get whatever belt people get in jujitsu, uh, or I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get to this ju- level, right? I'm gonna do BJJ in the morning, CrossFit in the evening. Oh well, that's just we're not even. Well, like talking about that. Five hours is recommended amount of sleep, isn't it? Uh, Fifty so grams of protein. I'm gonna say people shouldn't be doing two a days unless you're a very serious athlete. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make you better no. unless you're using exercise as some other form of of therapy or whatever. You probably shouldn't be doing two-a-days if you're just performance-focused. Yeah. Uh, unless it's like you really got to lose weight, then you might do like two aerobic-based sessions a day. But anyway. Or you might be in the old scenario of Uaz who are on a little bit of TRT. Yeah. Legally. Legally on. Fucking go for it, bro. Hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. I still think you can make better gains not doing ah, two yeah, sessions sure, a day. Very likely. Uh, so that's the first camp, right? You're going to go fucking balls out. Yeah. And you're going to make yourself better at everything. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter King. And I've seen it, right? Yeah. We've both seen it. Oh, yeah. We've both talked to these people. Yeah. We've both held their hand as they have a little gym or I'll, whatever. It's a harsh lesson for a lot of people. Yeah. It, 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 and they get to it very, very quickly. 
Yeah. Within weeks of starting BJJ. And you know what? Yeah. If you're in this camp. Yeah. And you want to do it. Yeah. Fucking go for it, bro. Because I'll it, see you in two months. Because like, and even, I've even seen younger athletes do this, like yeah. people who are in their like 20s. We've had yeah. somebody who's like 17 do this. Like BJJ, like it will teach you a harsh lesson because these yeah. people not give you the respect. I think what people are thinking of is just like, it's kind of a. I think it's like a bit I, of. I thought bit of rolling. Like. A bit of grab ass. <laughs> it's a very very tough sport yeah and like it, it's um it's just very demanding like yeah. so even if you if we just remove the injury aspect for a second and you look at the like energy demand from bjj if you're going to be even rolling three hours a week yeah and if you're someone who's come from weightlifting or powerlifting who would be two big demographics now who to try a bit of bjj you like these people learn very quickly even if they don't get injured after say two month course or two months of BJJ with their weightlifting or powerlifting they quickly realise that their weightlifting and powerlifting go to absolute shit yeah and it, like so if you look at just energy expenditure like you were saying yeah what people always assume is like oh I'm training more yeah. I'm gonna fucking lose weight and get ripped yeah yeah, right? yeah that's not how it works yeah you're gonna train more you're gonna eat more yeah. you're gonna sleep less yeah. you're gonna get fatter yeah that's just how it tends to work at the end of the day, if we're being honest, just a bag of jellies after training is better. Like, I mean, you, like you don't need protein, so do you? This is the second situation, then, which I think is like the optimal situation if you were going to keep both on. Is the carnivore diet? Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're a crossfitter, same setup. You're a crossfitter who's been in their forties, like five so, days a week. You say, yeah, who's been doing like four or five days a week of crossfit? Uh, you're now going to start BJJ. Uh, so twice what you do is you do your BJJ twice a week. Yeah. You cut your CrossFit back and your CrossFit becomes your physical activity yeah. or it becomes your exercise rather than your training. Yeah. You really focus on learning the motor patterns of BJJ. Yeah. Uh, you still in total have five to six sessions a week. Yeah. You're not overtraining. Mm -hmm. Your CrossFit is very much on the back burner. Yeah. And that's a very positive step forward for people like that because... Yeah. They're not getting discouraged with the lack of progress they're making at CrossFit. Because you've committed in your head yeah. that the CrossFit isn't going to progress for now. But you're not going to regress in your CrossFit either. No. You can still maintain. You've uh, committed psychological capital to the fact you're going to get better at BJJ. At being choked. <laughs> uh, and BJJ. So you, you've given a small bit, right? It's yeah. not all fucking take, take, take and become a beast. Or so a, a trained killer, as you talk about. So you're the, uh, the killer's at west side <laughs> so like you've you've sacrificed a small bit right yeah you know that's not gonna get better yeah everything that does get better now feels a little bit more earned mm -hmm. because it's not just like you're fucking beating your body to shit and you're still getting better bjj yeah like you're a lot better it's not like you're getting worse at crossfit and you're not getting better at your jujitsu yeah which is important to note as well uh, and i think in this group right this is the second group of the three we're going to mention uh in this group, you have a level of experience with CrossFit or with training in a gym whereby you know how to auto-regulate things. Yeah. So if you come in and it's like heavy snatch every minute on the minute for 10 minutes, you might have been doing that at 85 kilos before you started this. And now you're probably going to do it at 60 or 65 because shoulders might be a bit more tired yeah. uh, or your legs just don't have it in it. The third group then is people who have done... CrossFit for a while or BJJ for a while they decide they're going to do both at the same time they want to get better at CrossFit and BJJ is going to be used as aerobic conditioning yeah. or 
uh, muscular endurance training. And that can work, but I don't think it works for the complete beginner for BJJ. Because what it is, is if you have a certain level of experience at rolling and a certain level of experience with how those guys train and how they condition, it's a very, very challenging muscular endurance workout, bit of strength work Mm -hmm. and a lot of aerobic work. You can kind of use that and the same thing as like with your CrossFit in the group before. You can auto-regulate how hard you're going. You can auto-regulate when you need to ease back, when you need to kind of push a bit harder. And you can use that as your inverted commas, like fitness work or your cardio work. And then when you're going to the CrossFit gym, you're going to really push your CrossFit skills and work a lot more to learn a lot more about your CrossFit and how to do the kind of more technical movements like snatches, handstand walks, all those things. I think those last two groups can work. Yeah. But in both, like in the first group, you need to have experience with CrossFit and strength training where you know how to auto-regulate that and put that in the back burner. And then I think with the third group, you need to have experience with rolling or experience with some sort of combat sports whereby you know how to push yourself and pull yourself back and you understand you're not going to really, really progress in this, but you are going to be making progress in CrossFit. So you're saying, I can't be doing CrossFit five days a week, getting six hours sleep, suboptimal nutrient and macronutrient pro levels and then you're saying i can't do two three more cross or bjj classes after crossfit that's what i'm saying that's what I'm, <laughs> i don't understand what you're saying <laughs> remember that episode where you did the uh, timmy yeah someone said we should bring him back but we should have timmy on a t-shirt we should definitely have it uh, so we, we've kind of spoken now about uh a lot of the stuff you might have brought into the sport. Yeah. So, like, Leave you might be bringing in a certain amount of, uh, like, genetic mutation that you had from, uh, or, like, gene transcription that you've had from sports when you were a kid that you might have forgotten about, which actually could be a big advantage. Yeah. You might also be bringing in some kind of physiologic, physiological baggage. Uh, you might have some niggly injuries. Yeah. Uh, you might have some movement restraints, like, lacking in mobility. Uh, you might have some non-optimal recovery uh, or abilities to recover and then you might be coming in with slightly unrealistic goal setting so I think we've very we've, so read we've, very very unrealistic goal setting so we've, we've spoken about all those things yeah I think on the goal setting point there and this is something you can definitely take from elite athletes because this this will really help with satisfaction from training is from a lot of the elite athletes we've seen training or from personal experience or is that you just need to enjoy training yeah it's really 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 important to enjoy the process so like Dara was saying you might have unrealistic goals and let's say you haven't given those up yet but let's say you do have those unrealistic goals it's still no less important that you enjoy your journey to those goals or as close as you can get to those goals because all the best athletes do love training and they enjoy the process and a lot of times you'll hear them say like the end wasn't as good as what they thought it was going to be yeah whereas in this case it's super important that you enjoy training 100 percent, and like that's the difference between having process orientated goals and outcome orientated goals yeah it's like a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset no matter how no matter how much of a stud you are and how many of those You're probably not outcome goals you really achieve at the end of the day yeah uh, like 
really being focused on the process and really enjoying the process uh, and being surrounded by people you enjoy or not being around surrounded by people you don't enjoy makes a really big difference and when you're doing a sport that you're not going to be competing in professionally and you're like all of us are training for because we enjoy training Mm -hmm. there's no point going to the gym and having your head in your hand because uh you got a minute and a half slower than the last time you did that what like if you pick something pick doing something because you really really enjoy it would be my best piece of advice i think you need to enjoy how a movement feels as well yeah like while you may not be able to snatch 190 kilos you might be able to get to 100 kilos that looks very 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 nice 100 percent, yeah and like there's an enjoyment in itself in doing a really technically proficient snatch or clean and jerk or let's say you get a ring muscle up or a handstand walk while you may not be able to compete with the best of the crossfitters you can still get to a point where when someone sees you do it they're like or let's say the class starts and someone's like, oh, let's watch Dara do a snatch because he does it really well. Yeah. You know, you can get to a stage where fine-tuning the movement is as enjoyable as lifting heavy weights because at some stage in your head you need to acknowledge that you're not going to get to those, but it doesn't mean you can't make those look as best as they possibly can. And there is, I think someone talked about it before in the Chinese school of weightlifting that they, it's important that the athletes like how the lift feels as much as, and how it looks as much as what they're lifting. Yeah. Because it's much easier it just stands to reason that when you're doing a lift if something feels ugly you're just going to hate it every time whereas something feels really nice and you know it looks really nice you're just going to be naturally much more inclined to do it more and better I suppose yeah and you'll think about it a lot more when you're not doing it as well yeah Uh, so a point something that might be a bit controversial now if you're listening uh, a lot of the time in strength and conditioning gyms or in CrossFit gyms we'll have this certain kind of dogma that uh everything has got to be great right you've got to be if you're strong then you need to be strong and fast and fit and mobile and however that may be yeah and that's a great uh kind of motto to live your life by but if you're coming to the gym and you're training three or four times a week and you really enjoy your strength training or you really enjoy your aerobic work why can't you just do your aerobic work or just do the stuff that you enjoy doing. Yeah. So obviously there's like this in a microcosm doesn't work well, right? Because if I want to be a weightlifter and I just like doing cleans, I can't be a weightlifter because I haven't done my snatches or my jerks. Yeah. But if I'm somebody who just trains for enjoyment uh, and I really, really like doing strength work or I really, really like doing weightlifting work, you don't have to buy into that dogma that oh, but I'm still really, really bad at gymnastics. And then every time you're doing class, you, uh, every time you're doing class and there's pull-ups in it, you have to go and get like three black heavy bands uh, and do like banded pull-ups and you're not good at them and you don't enjoy doing them. Obviously, there's like, there's health implications and really, really uh, positive things that can come from being a well-rounded athlete overall. But you can be a healthy person without doing any of that training. You know, like if you do your walks three or four times a week, uh, you're fairly active, you have a good diet, you don't really need to be doing like high intensity aerobic work. Uh, so if you've got somebody and you're doing class, you don't like doing the workouts or you really, really like doing the workouts, why would you not find a way that you can train, do the stuff you enjoy 
have more uh, like achieve a lot more of the goals you actually want to achieve overall mm-hmm. and then you're not going to stuck in this dogma like I don't know how many gyms we've been in when someone is like they really really want to talk about weightlifting and then you'll get a coach come over and be like yeah but you're like what's the point because you can't run a 5k in less than whatever yeah and you're like well why does that really matter you know uh, like there's so many really great training facilities around now that and really really good online resources and and coaches that can coach you in person that if you enjoy doing weightlifting just go and do weightlifting that that is um in some ways in a, a psychological advantage over the younger athletes in the u.s can just be like you know i just really like doing weightlifting yeah and it's kind of a relief it's a freedom from from the other stuff you hate it you just don't have to do it because it's not in your prerogative like you don't need it to win you don't need it to compete if you and even if you are competing it doesn't really matter that much to you because you're just competing basically literally for the fun of it yeah. and that's a really good position to be in sometimes because you can the psychological stress from not being good at those can just be eradicated by being like i don't really care about it 100 percent. and yeah. no one has any comeback when you do say that because you can be like i'm just training because i like training yeah and there's just like Dara just wants to do a hang clean with whatever weight and no one can say well why aren't you doing whatever because he's like that's just what he wants to do yeah and while you're not going to do the weight Dara wants to do you can certainly be like i just really like doing hang clean so i assume twice a week i don't really like snatching so i'm not going to bother yeah or i really enjoy uh whatever insert yeah. x and i'm not going to bother doing y that even though people associate those with each other like it, it just if you like Dara was saying you hate doing the wads then doesn't really matter if you ask fast the wads. Yeah. I don't 100%. see anything wrong with it. And like, I really like the fact now that there is a lot more variation with like, so like the higher end gyms, like strength and conditioning gyms, the CrossFit gyms, everybody knows those kind of facilities that are around now. Like we have an ability now to do like, if you just want to do the wads, you just go do bike row ski or you just do the longer wad classes that are on Thursday evening uh, or you have an online program and you just go to open gym. Like, it makes a gigantic difference to how well you uh, stick to the program, how well you monitor all the other really important factors outside of training. Like, if you really, really want to get good at gymnastics and you're going to adult gymnastics twice a week and you still go and train in the gym two or three other times a week, you're going to be like, fuck it, I probably shouldn't have that Big Mac because I really, really could do it being two kilos lighter. Yeah. And that would really help my ability to do, like, insert whatever exercise here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's the same with, like, with sleep. It's the same with, uh, like, stress outside of there. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just going to tell Karen to fuck off if she's stressing you out in work. Because yeah. she's going to make your snatches worse. Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> My best piece of advice is if you're... Um if you've had your kids already and you don't plan on having any more and you can get TRT, go for it. <laughs> there is no reason not to. That's obviously not applicable in a lot of countries that people are listening to this. You can get it in a lot of countries. Yeah, but All of Europe. Yeah. Most of our listeners are UK, Ireland and America, not in that order. Most of them, a lot of Americans actually are the biggest percentage. Yeah. Okay. So this, go for it. This don't listen to Dara. <laughs> Do it. The last point, right? Yeah. Uh, get as much TRT as you wrap can. Wrap her up. Yeah. Uh, so... We talked about like having really achieve like solid good goals, right? They should be lofty, but they shouldn't be stupid either. Should they be lofty? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm not being like should they. I'm like should they re- like is that what? Yeah, they is should. That what? They should be like. I hate this thing of like if your goal doesn't 
uh, scare you, then it's not big enough. Yeah. But like, Joe, you, know, you should be reaching out there. You should have something at the end of the road that you want to hit. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's when, the, when what's you're the, watching. What if you don't hit those goals ever? What's the deal there? Like, what's well, we've already talked about like the psychological your damage. process has to be good. Yeah. So like you really, really like training. Yeah. So if I really like training, right, and I don't hit the 180 hand clean. Yeah. But fuck it, we've had great crack training for however many years we've been training for it. I still yeah, don't yeah. hit 180. Yeah. Like that's not going to damage me psychologically at the end of the day. Because of the brain If damage. I, well, yeah, obviously I can't be psychologically damaged anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's top to 20. Uh, but if I really enjoyed the process and and. I enjoy spending time with the people I'm training with and I enjoy going to the gym. Yeah. That's not going to really negatively affect me. Yeah. If I put everything else in my life on hold and don't enjoy training. Yeah. And don't enjoy the coach. Don't enjoy the place I'm going. Yeah. Don't enjoy how it makes me feel afterwards or how it makes me feel beforehand. Uh, and then I don't hang clean 180. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be a sad boy. What, um, just on a kind of a massive tangent there. Yeah, but because we're going off the final point. Uh, I just want to, we can do a U-turn back on top of yourself there in a second. Always do this. But you know, um, a lot of UAS. Yeah. A lot of UAS want to become coaches because they're really emotionally invested in what they've done and they just yeah. love it. And my advice would be just to be careful with what you want to go do. Yeah. And don't ruin your life. And right on this point, yeah, you get some exceptionally good coaches, right? Certainly. Come out of this because uh, they mightn't have been involved in whatever the sport is. Let's just say CrossFit again. Yeah. They mightn't have been involved in CrossFit until they were in their 30s or 40s. Then they got really, really heavily invested. They might have left a, a career path that they really didn't enjoy Yeah. Uh, to go and pursue this. Mm-hmm. But like, as just, you said, yeah. You need to be careful. Like, if you ever ask anyone who's opened a gym, they'll tell you don't open a gym. Yeah. It's like if someone says, should I start weightlifting? My first answer will be don't. Uh, so I think... <laughs> just be just be very mindful of that. And like, not saying I will never be one to crush anyone's dreams, but I would just say, just be very careful and be very aware of what you're doing. Like, for and example... particularly on this point. Yeah. Uh, you need to dip your toes in the water. I was just literally just going to say, if you can do a little bit of part-time or volunteer. Like, we know of gyms yeah. where people have gotten a CrossFit level one. Yeah. Quit their job. Yeah. And open the fucking gym. And that's like hyperbole. That's like true. Like, we know at least... Like oh, no. Like, at we, least two or three. Yeah. And let's say it's like someone... Like, the gym I train in, Jerry um, used to be a personal trainer. Yeah. Full-time personal trainer. And then he opened CrossFit and he's been up for like nearly 10 years now. Yeah, and he had an exceptional idea of what it took. Yeah. Whereas, uh, hopefully there's no Stacey in accounting, but Stacey in accounting, accountants always get the bashing. Um, but like, you're like, and I, I know... I, actually, I don't know why we bash accountants so much either, because our accountants it's are just like, like superheroes. He, he just... Um, <laughs> He just loves crack. Yeah. But um, let's say, like, you just leave it and you're... you're a, and I know someone who like left a good job for coaching and stuff and I'm not sure if no no you can never say what someone's life lives up to and how much enjoyment someone's getting out of it but I would just say just be really like don't if you could do your best to experience it and like yeah. volunteer like even if it's Saturday morning and just really try immerse yourself in it without 
drastically changing your life direction before you go do something like that. Yeah. And now we're definitely not saying don't do it because a lot of people, like we do know, like Teddy, for example, is someone yeah. who kind of... Who had multiple careers before he opened the wa- gym. Like waved in and out of it. And yeah. He's doing very well now. And like, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm certain he's in a place where he likes he, where he is. Yeah. And it's certainly possible. And there's no possible way of knowing will it definitely work for you. But I would say just be be realistic about it and be really steady with your choices. Be yeah. a logical person. I think this it. is actually, we could do a whole other podcast on starting to coach yeah. or dipping your toes in the water. Yeah. Uh, okay, final point. Yeah. People see like CrossFit Masters athletes are exceptional athletes, right? Right. You see them, they tend to be breaking the mold in every possible facet of physiology. Yeah. They tend to be... Yeah. Uh, like you're getting more and more skilled at the at yeah. the speciality movements. Yeah, they're getting fitter, faster, yeah. and stronger. Uh-huh. And then people obviously see this and are like, "Well, whoever this is only started CrossFit when they were uh, forty five, and now they're forty nine, and Th- they just won the forty five to fifty category." This this issue you're talking about is very exclusive to CrossFit as well. Yeah, this is just for CrossFitters. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not a crossfitter, you can turn this off. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's a few things happening here, right? A lot of the Masters athletes have been exceptionally talented sports people ever before they take this up. But more so, take and this. we're going to take a bit of heat for this. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of them have tested positive. Yeah, and the testing in the CrossFit Games is a is a intelligence test. Uh, yeah. I think you could get a monkey on steroids to yeah. pass at the drug testing at the CrossFit Games but like the testing is incredibly lax and when you see things like this and you want to set your goals around things like that you need to take a serious step back because a lot of times when people do get in they may be um, naive to the um, the realities of elite sports and full time yeah. athletes and high level athletes that what what tr- like what goes on you know because you and you may not be too okay with what what it actually what, is what's what like yeah so you need to be very careful if you're looking at like obviously these are great stories and they fill you with hope and are very motivating yeah uh, and there's nothing to stop you taking TRT either <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that yeah if it, you have any questions that again like Dara's not saying that to be like I'm was, not I'm not just shitting person, on anyone right? he's just a person who said to have lofty goals but he's just saying have um attainable goals yeah think about it uh yeah 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 thanks for listening guys thank you